Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a sermon series called Life Together on Mission. Together, we're learning to join Jesus in his mission in this world. Thanks for joining us. Well, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And if you didn't bring a Bible, we have black ones hopefully nearby that you can pull out. It's on page 812. We're going to look at Jesus' baptism today. And on this Baptism Sunday, I've entitled this message, The Dance. We're going to look at Mark 1, 9 through 13. And again, I just want to say out of the gates, I know that's an unusual title for a message. And uh, I can't take a lot of credit for it. It's not original with me. Uh, In many ways, a message by Tim Keller influenced me that way. And also people like C.S. Lewis. But uh, when we think about this idea of the dance, I want to just name this right out front. When you think about dancing with someone else, it's got kind of an intimacy to it. I remember on my daughter's wedding day, dancing with her, not so great, I might add, but I remember just the closeness of that. And so this picture of the dance obviously may make some of us uncomfortable at first because we don't always think of God in those kinds of terms. But what I want us to see today is something that I had never realized before is that what was going on at Jesus' baptism is something that affects our lives as well. And so if you're following along, here's what I want you to see right out of the gates. At his baptism, Jesus is ushering in God's new creation. At his baptism, Jesus is ushering in God's new creation. We were just singing about it. If God doesn't restore this fallen world, we're in deep trouble. But that's exactly what Jesus came to do. And at his baptism now, he uh, ushers in this. In fact, if you read just verse 15 of this same chapter that we're going to look at, you'll see that he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. He came to announce and to usher in, to inaugurate the beginning of this restoration of all things. And so it's a powerful thing. But here's what I want you to notice. How does he come? Does he go? Does he come in power and force? No, he comes humbly and says, baptize me. Baptize me. Unbelievable. Now notice this, though. This is what I had never really seen and appreciated about his baptism. Mark points out, if you're following along, Mark points to the three parties involved in creation. Mark points to the three parties involved in creation. Now, Mark's gospel is the shortest of the four gospels, and Mark has this gift that I don't have of brevity. And so what he does is he can say a lot in a very few words. And what he does is in these five verses, he recaptures and summarizes the whole history of the world. He goes back all the way to creation. This is what he's hinting at at Jesus' baptism when he talks about the Holy Spirit landing like a dove on him. And so again, if you've never read this before, the rabbis interpreted Genesis 1-2 with words like this. Here's what they said. And the earth was without form and empty, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God fluttered above the face of the waters like a dove. And God spoke, let there be light. And what I want you to see is that in the creation, the original creation, God is involved, God's spirit's involved, and and God's word, God speaks, God's voice is involved. Later, John, the disciple of Jesus, would say that God, the word of God, is God's son, Jesus. And so we see all three involved, even at creation. But also, 
we know that that got disturbed. And so Jesus has come to restore that. So at his baptism, this humble act that he takes part in, as he steps down in the water and says to John the Baptist, baptize me. And John says, no, man, you're, you're, you're the son of God. I, I should be baptized by you. He said, let's do this. Let's do this to fulfill God's righteous plan of restoring the world. And so he's baptized. Now, here's what I want you to notice is, uh, is verse 10 and 11. Would you read that with me out loud? Notice here's what happened at his baptism. Let's just listen to this together and think about it. Let's go. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Would you read the second gray box with me? Verse 11. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, if you're following along, the father and the spirit encircle and cover Jesus with love. Right here at his baptism, Jesus is standing there. He comes up out of the water. As soon as he comes up out of the water, the spirit lands on him like a dove. John would later say, the reason I knew for sure that this guy was the son of God was that testimony alone. I saw the spirit land on him. But also, you hear a voice, and the voice was so encouraging, so affirming. This is my son whom I love, with him with whom I'm well pleased. And so you just see how the, what, what the Bible has often referred to as the triune God, the Trinity that we celebrate. It's a doctrine that's not easy to understand. It can blow our minds and blow our circuits. How can God be one God in three persons and yet relate? So in his essence, he's not three gods that all kind of get along. It's one God in three persons. It's not uh, one unipersonal God that takes different forms. No, it's one God in three persons and their fellowship is incredible. If you're following along in the notes, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit mutually glorify one another. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit mutually glorify one another. Now, again, where do I get this idea of the dance? It's this relationship that they have from all eternity is what I mean by the dance. The way that they interact with each other. If you understand dance, I know sometimes that we applaud people that can dance all by themselves, but that's not really a dance. That's movement. Dance is when you interact with someone else and voluntarily, and you learn how to move together. And so God has this incredible dance going on from all eternity. C.S. Lewis talks about it. When I was in high school, I read one of his, uh, trilogy, uh, one of his science fiction novels called Paralandra. And Paralandra ends, I just read the last chapter again last night, it ends talking about this idea that everything is moving towards the great dance. It's an amazing poetic picture. It's one that's not one that I would normally think of first, but look at what C.S. Lewis says uh, as he describes this. In Christianity, God is not an impersonal thing or a static thing. He's not just even one person, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, a drama, almost, if you will, not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. And Cornelius Plantinga, who's a theologian, builds on this. Look at what he says as well. See, the Bible says the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit glorify one another. That means the persons within God exalt, commune with, and defer to one another. Each harbors the others at the center of his being. 
in constant movement of overture and acceptance. Each person in the Trinity envelops and encircles the others. God's interior light, therefore, overflows with self-giving love for others. And Keller goes on and says something like this in his message. But when you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each one is moving out toward the other instead of making the other come to them, orbiting around the other instead of insisting the others orbit around them, you have a dance, dynamic, pulsating, a dance of joy, each one pouring love and joy and adoration into the other, each one deferring to the other, serving the other, putting the interest of the other over their own. That's the dance. And so as we think about this, as I think about Jesus' baptism, can you imagine how unbelievably beautiful it was that day? to see Jesus in his humility, glorifying his Father, and also working with the Holy Spirit. And then the Father and the Holy Spirit going, we're with you, we're for you, we want to do this together, and they're coming to earth to restore the world. And it is beautiful. And this is the dance of relationship that God is up to in the world and has been before all creation. And so what does it mean to talk about how they mutually glorify one another? Well, here's just a couple ideas if you're following along. First, when you glorify something, you move toward it, you orbit around it, you defer to it, you honor it, you exalt it. If you are uh, glorifying something or glorifying someone, that's what you do. You move towards it. It's got movement. This idea of dance is that you learn how to move towards and with each other. You learn how to defer and be able to have that kind of interaction. But not only that, but also the idea of glorify carries this idea to adore and give unconditionally, not to get anything back. And so, again, as I was reading this, uh, listen to what, again, Tim Keller says about this as far as glorifying. When I think of what it means to glorify someone or something, I think of beauty and duty. Unless you understand both sides, you're not going to do justice to the full semantic range of the word glorify. Beauty and duty. Beauty means adoring, having your imagination captured by, finding gorgeous, praising, enjoying, doting on. You're not glorifying something unless you find it beautiful for what it is in itself. And secondly, duty. You're not glorifying someone if you're serving them conditionally. When you say, I'll serve, I'll help, and I'll do this as long as I'm getting a benefit out of it, that's not glorifying them. That's not circling them. That's not the dance. That's not orbiting around them. That's really getting them to orbit around you. And so this whole idea is that we see this beautiful, beautiful picture of being, of, of, of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, just crazy about each other, but also orienting everything around each other in a perfect circle. It's just amazing. And all that's being, I love the fact that it says that heaven was torn open. Here's what I think this means. In that moment, God is letting us see what the essence of the universe is. He's letting us see what ultimate reality is all about. He's letting us understand what the meaning of life is. It is about love relationships. That if the world was created in the image of a God like this, 
that it means that relationships are most important. It means that when we think that achievement or acquisition or power or money or recognition or any of those things, if we place those over that, that means that we are moving farther away and getting out of touch with reality. And Jesus has come to restore and help us see what it looks like when you glorify one another and glorify God. Now, here's something that was interesting to me. Notice that selfishness, if you're following along, insists everything must orbit and revolve around me. Selfishness, if you are looking for a picture, uh, the picture is this. Like, if I just asked for 10 of you to come up here on stage, we could choose 100. But if you all stood up here on stage and you just all stayed in the same place, you just all stayed stationary, would that be a dance? No, because you would all be waiting for the other person to move first. But when you begin to see that, that there is something going on where instead of saying, I'm going to wait for the whole world, I want everything to come to my front door, I'm going to make it all about me, then all of a sudden, we have moved completely away from how God created this world. He made us instead to be glorifiers. He made us to be dancers. He made us to be people of our own volition, voluntarily moving towards each other. And that is what he made us for, but that oftentimes is not. And so what happens is we become involved in self-glorification. We begin to say, wait a second, how is this going to benefit me? How does this work out for me? And we get all caught up with that. And that's exactly why we're in the trouble we're in. It's because this is going on in families, this is going on in nations, this is going on in offices and schools and sometimes even churches. And when this is going on, this is not the creation God intended. So Jesus came to show us a better way. Jesus came to make a better way. And his baptism is inaugurating this and helping us see heaven, the curtain pull back and going, this is ultimate reality. Are you living in it? Are you part of the dance? Are you inside the dance or outside the dance? Are you moving in that direction? Do you know that God is moving towards you? Oh, are you staying stationary? Are you saying, let everything come to me? It's all about me. This is the world that Jesus wants to touch. Now, when you think about this, I was thinking this week, uh, some of you know that Toby Mack, the artist, I lost his 21-year-old son, Truett, this week. And he and his wife, you can imagine their hearts ripped open by that. But this is what Toby Mac posted. Maybe you've seen it. He said, my wife and I would want the world to know this. We don't follow God because we have some sort of under-the-table deal with him, like we'll follow you if you bless us. We follow God because we love him. It's our honor. He is the God of the hills and the valleys. He is, here's the phrase, beautiful above all things. Beauty and duty. Toby Mac understands that he was made to glorify God, not just for what he gets out of it, but because God in himself is beautiful. God in himself is worthy of his praise just by moving towards us in the dance. And it's an incredible thing when you and I begin to be like this. So let me just tell you quickly, when I was young, 
I, I, one of the things that made me aware that I was a person that wanted the world to revolve around me is my parents used to say to me, Jeff, you're never happy. No matter what happens, no matter what you get, no matter what happens in your life, you're never happy. And I remember thinking to myself, thanks. But they were dead right. And as I got older, I started noticing that the, probably the reason why is because I was all about into getting instead of giving. And I noticed that in myself, and I saw how ugly it was, and I saw how manipulative and how unrelationally healthy it was. But I also knew that I couldn't sometimes change it to the degree that it needed to be changed. I needed something. I needed, I needed, I needed someone to teach me how to dance differently. And so um, that was what brought me to the awareness that I needed the dance that God was offering to me. And if you're following along, it, it made me aware that God made us for mutually self-giving love, not self-centeredness. So as we think about this, um, again, just to show you another couple of quotes here, uh, Tim Keller shares uh, this, this idea again, and I find this to be just amazing about him. So now, because God does not seek his own glory. By the way, do you hear that? God does not seek his own glory. And I'm going to come back to that because some of you say, wait a sec, he tells us to glorify him. I'll come back. Because God does not seek his own glory, but seeks the glory of others. Because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all circling each other, glorifying each other, adoring each other, praising each other, serving each other, deferring to each other, because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are giving glorifying love to one another. God is infinitely happy. Now, here's the question. If God, why did God create the world? <laughs> he didn't need us. He already had. He, he didn't create us so that we would love him because he already had love. In fact, he had it in the purest form as possible. It must be that he wanted to enlarge the dance. It must be that he wanted us to know this same joy that he knew in himself. The community that he was experiencing, he wanted to extend it. And so part of what's going on in the original creation is that God was beginning to make other people that he was inviting into the dance. And we read how Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, which was a poetic way of saying they were learning how to dance and walk with God to have the same kind of richness of relationship, of giving themselves to each other rather than just saying orbit around me. And things were beautiful that way. And also the way that the animals and all of creation was able to operate together. There was this, there was this, Beautiful, beautiful symmetry and flow. And we see it still in our solar system. We see it in the tides. We see it in the seasons. We see different things where we still can see the dance going on in creation. But we also see ways that it's broken. And we know that he's made us for something bigger than this. But look at what C.S. Lewis says also. This is important. What does it all matter? You know, I'm, all this stuff I'm talking about. It matters more than anything else in the world for the whole dance or drama or pattern of this three persona life is to be played out in each of us. There are the great fountain, they are the great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. And there is no way to the happiness for which we have been made. There's no other way. 
It's got to be through an inter- a relationship with him. And so as we think about this, what happened? So Mark then talks about the rest of the history of the world. And notice again in verse 12 and 13 that he is hinting back at the original creation even in these words. Let me read them. It says, at once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. And so we see that even in the first few chapters of Genesis, what we see is that while God created this beautiful dance to be going on there in the garden, there also came Satan. There came in that garden testing and temptation. Now, Jesus, after experiencing this glorious moment at his baptism, now is led by the Spirit, not into a garden, but into the wilderness. And notice the difference between the first Adam and the second Adam, as Jesus is often called. Notice that the first Adam was tested in the garden, and he was tested in this way. You can eat from any of the trees of the garden. Enjoy yourself. There's just one tree. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. In other words, don't eat of this so you can live. And if you're following along in the notes, notice this, that God said to the first Adam, obey me about the tree, and he didn't. Obey me about the tree, and he didn't. Now think about this. This has bothered people for years. Why did God tell Adam and Eve they couldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He never says translated do it because you love me do it because I say so do it because you find me beautiful and trustworthy and you want to glorify me to glorify me don't do it to get do it to give yourself to me and Adam and Eve when they had that choice they chose they put their own power their own you know, themselves, they exalted themselves over the relationship God had invited into. And that was called the fall. And friends, when you and I get into an unravel relationship with God, it unravels all the other relationships. Now they're not orbiting correctly anymore. And so that was what happened. And that's why Jesus had to come and inaugurate the second creation. And notice then that Jesus goes through a similar process. But notice the first Adam was tested by Satan in a garden. Jesus is tested by Satan where? In the wilderness. This is Mark's way of saying that not only was Jesus testing much harder, but in many ways it shows that he was willing to give himself to such an extent that even though it was harder, he was still committed to bringing us back into the dance. And there, in that time of testing, we see that for 40 days he went through a time of testing, not just one day. And also, we know that throughout the rest of his ministry for three years, he was hounded by Satan constantly. To the point where it ultimately culminated where Satan was tempting him. And so if you're following along, notice this, that Satan tempts Jesus to think of what he can get for himself. Now, Mark's gospel does not give us the full idea, but he tempts Jesus to think of what he can get for himself. When you read Mark, when Matthew's gospel, which I've listed out to the right, you can read it later, or Luke's gospel, and here's the idea. He says, basically, turn these stones into bread, throw yourself off from this high place and show people just how amazing you are, and just bow down to me. It'll only take a few seconds. It won't even hurt, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. 
come on. You don't need to dance with your father. You don't need to do the stuff the father's asking you to do. The Holy Spirit's prompting you to do. You can dance solo. People will be impressed. And Jesus, if you're following along, God said to the second Adam, obey me about the tree. And he did. Friends, ultimately, Jesus found himself in a garden being tempted by the devil the night before he went to the cross. And God said, Obey me about the tree, and you will be crushed by it. And Jesus did. Why did he have to experience that sacrifice? It wasn't for himself. I don't know about you, but if Jesus was thinking about what he was going to get out of it, I doubt he would have been motivated the same way. But he knew that he could do that to glorify his Father. He could do that to be in sync with the Holy Spirit. And also, he knew that for the joy set before him for us, he could do it. This is an amazing story. This is the good news that we have to share. This is what God has done on our behalf. This is how the dance gets bigger. And so, as you, you're following along, here's what I want you to see in that third gray box. Would you read this with me? Whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will find it. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's not just saying that to go, hey, how can I put a wrench in your life? No, he's saying, all I'm inviting you to do is do what the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have been doing from all eternity. If you understand how the universe works, if you try and exalt yourself, you're going to be out of touch with reality. Ultimately, you're going to come up empty. You're going to crash your life on the rocks of reality. Don't do it. You can try it. Everybody else has. But you're going to find sooner or later you weren't made for that. You were made to dance with God in the great dance. You were made to have a relationship with him. You and I were made for this. And as we think about this, here's what's so beautiful as we think about Jesus saying yes to God on the tree. If you're following along, Jesus came to circle us on the cross and invite us to dance. Jesus came to circle us on the cross and invite us to dance. This is an amazing thing, is that as he spread out his arms, he was saying, again, I am offering myself to you. Shall we dance? Are you willing to humbly receive what I'm offering you because I'm moving towards you. And I'm holding out an invitation to you. It's not about how good of a dancer you are. It's about how good I can dance in your place, on your behalf, so that you can become a new person. And as I told you, when I was younger, I realized that I was a self-centered person, and it wasn't just going to change because of New Year's resolutions. I had something broken at the heart of things, at the spring, at the, the fountainhead of my life. I needed what Jesus came to do on my, on my behalf. I needed him to move towards me on the cross because I was stationary. I was standing still. I, was, I only knew how to orbit, make things orbit around me and exalt myself. And so, why were people baptized today? 
what's going on. We've been reading this verse over and over again the last few weeks, but look at Matthew 28, verse 19. Look at what it says. This is interesting. This is the instruction that Jesus gave. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in whose name, friends? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, some people go, does that mean you just go Father, Son, Holy Spirit when you place them under the water? No, in the name of is loaded. In the name of means in relationship with. It means in the character of, in the accomplishments of, in the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when a person's baptized, are they saying, look at me and how much I love God as much as they're also saying, look at me as someone that was so loved by the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that although I did not deserve it, I have been invited into this incredible dance. And now with the rest of my life, I want to point to how Jesus died for me, was buried for me, and raised for me so that I too could be part of the dance. And I now, because of him moving towards me first, I want to respond with the same attitude. Now I want to center my life on him. Now I want to exalt him. Now I want to glorify him. Now I want to serve him. Now I want to adore him. Now I want to praise him. Now I want him to be the center of my life rather than me. I don't want to be stationary anymore in this relationship. I want to move towards him because he first moved towards me. We love because he first because he first, because he first loved us. This is the dance. And the Bible tells us, as we just sang about, that there's coming a day when the whole dance is going to be a wonder to behold, where people from every nation, tribe, tongue, language, race, are going to all be gathered together that have been transformed because Jesus moved towards them. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit moved towards them. And now they have come under that grace and are learning how to glorify him. This is what God wants for us. And those that do not want to be part of the dance will miss the dance and wreck their lives on the rocks of reality. But it is so winsome the way Jesus moves towards us. If you're following along, he brings us in when we trust in his work for us, not ours. He brings us in when we trust in his work for us, not ours. In other words, if you're tempted today to say to God, now Lord, I'm going to try really hard to be good. I want to urge you to give it up. That is not the way to get into the dance. There's only one way into the dance, friends. And that's what God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit have done for you, what they've accomplished. This is why Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. The work that it took to bring you into the dance has been accomplished. Will you receive it? Jesus is saying, will you dance with me? Will you join in this relationship with me? And when you and I do that, it is important. It's by grace we've been saved not because of works, by grace. Do you know, there was a guy that stood in this baptistry a number of years ago, and on the day of his baptism, he wanted Galatians 2.20 read. Here's what it says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, 
but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by trust in the Son of God who loved me. And what did he do? Gave himself for me. What a dance. What a beautiful dance to be involved in. You know, what's interesting before I close, I just want to tell you, just so we stay real here. This week, as I was working on this message, I was so captured by the beauty of the Trinity. I was so captured and so thankful for what they've been doing, what they've done, and what they want to do in the world. But while I was busy reading and enjoying all this, my wife and I, we have a good marriage, but there's just times where I become easily offendable. I don't like know if you have that struggle, but sometimes Trish, which I think she's going to be closer to Jesus in heaven than I am, but I'm just saying is there's just times when all of a sudden something would irritate me. And here's what I noticed about myself. Even though I've been reading all this and hearing all this, I immediately became stationary. And when she tried to be loving towards me, I just tried to be chill, cold. I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I still need this ongoing invitation to the dance. And so I'm thinking of all this, and I can hear the Holy Spirit saying, do you want to keep this attitude going, this stubbornness? It's really not a good dance. And I noticed that it was Jesus moving towards me in humility and laying down his life for me that melted me back towards saying, I don't want to keep doing this. There's no happiness in that, not just for me, but anybody else. I'm exalting my own feelings and my own thoughts over this. This isn't even a big deal. And I just noticed that God was using this picture of the dance to move me back towards the dance again, because it's not just a one and done, it's daily. So if you're following along, once you and I are assured by his love, we learn to do life together. Once we are assured by his love, so here's what happens. Uh, Romans 8, 16, I think, do we have that on the screen? Can we show you that? This is an interesting thing. For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we really are God's children. There may be times when you're following the Lord, when down deep in your heart, you may not even hear an audible voice. You may hear, the fathers say, you are my child whom I love, in whom I delight and am well pleased because you are in my son. And those are the moments we can keep going even when we fall short, even when you get mad at your spouse or you get offended in a totally crazy way, you and I can keep walking. So here's, here's how... Here's how I want to just close. I want to, I want to close by in, inviting you to glorify God with me. We're going to sing the doxology in just a moment. And we're going to name the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. But as we do, here's what I want to just invite you to understand. It's about relationships, friends. It's not just about a relationship with God. The reason why Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says, was for a church, for a people. And those people, us, we have a chance to glorify him together. We have a chance to learn how to glorify and serve each other and honor each other. And as we learn how to do that, we continue to be moved by the picture of our triune God. And there's coming a day when he's going to gather the entire dance together, and it is going to be a wonder to behold. And on that day, it is going to be our honor 
to glorify him together. So would you mind standing and let's sing the doxology together. So we'll sing it a cappella and let's just celebrate the fact that because of what Jesus has done, we can do this together and live in his grace. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Now I want to invite the prayer team to come down front. And before we leave this place, I just want to ask you a question. Are you in the dance? This could be the day, if you're not, you've witnessed some other people bearing witness to what the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have done on their behalf. And if you've never, ever responded to God moving towards you as he has, then this could be the day. And if you're not ready today, let me just say, don't put it off. Think about what he's saying to you and respond to him. Let him melt you. Let him, as he moves towards you, be willing to move towards him in faith and repentance and he'll change your life. He'll invite you into the dance. And that's the reason you were made. And we're also made to invite other people into the dance. So help us, God. Let me pray. Now, God, I'm so glad you came to be baptized and inaugurate the new creation. Oh, God, teach us more and more of what it looks like to dance with you each day. Show us how to center our lives on you and not on ourselves. Show us how to lose our lives in you so that we can find it in you. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.